Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. This week, as always, I am super excited. We have the lovely Christy Wallace. Christy is the CEO of Elevate Network and is responsible for executing Elevate Network's mission of changing the culture of business from the inside out by providing professional women with a supportive community to lean on and learn from. Christy is also the host of the Elevate podcast conversations with women changing the face of business and is also a regular speaker and thought leader on leadership diversity social entrepreneurship and networking most recently christy was recognized as a woman of influence by the new york business journal Christy strives to support women and girls in achieving their dreams. She is an angel investor with Pipeline Angels, an organization creating capital for women and non-binary femme social entrepreneurs. She's also a member of the UN Women Global Innovation Coalition for Change. She's also an advisor for the 92Y Women in Power Fellowship for Rising Female Leaders, on the Advisory Council for the Villa Nova University Innovation, Creativity and Entrepreneurship Institute. She's also the co-chair of the Leadership Advisory Board for the Girl Scouts of Greater New York City and a board member at Workforce Professional Training Institute. Wow, that is huge, right? Christy is a passionate runner, reader and world traveller. Christy lives in Greenpoint, Brooklyn with her husband and three wonderful children. It is now time to tune into this very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, today I am super excited. We have Christy Wallace, welcome to I Am Woman Project. Catherine, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. I'm super excited to have you on the show. It's been a little while. And how we start the show is we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So Christy, tell us your story. How did you get to what you are doing today? Well, it's I think it's somewhat of an interesting story. I uh, And in hindsight, your stories always, I guess, seem more interesting than when you're living them. But I, um, English major in school who went into investment banking, as you do, uh, just happened actually through the power of my network. Someone had connected me to an opportunity and said, I really think you'd love this. 
and I did love it and realized business was um, something that I hadn't thought about, but really took to. Worked in the corporate sector for a bit and kind of came to this realization that working for startups and tech companies and more innovative companies was where I would find my stride. So I soon went to a company called Vault.com, which was a career media company. We published a lot of reviews of what it was like to work at top companies and found that job also through my network, someone I'd gone to school with who encouraged me to apply, and I did. Stayed there for nine years, running all of our revenue operations. We sold the company back in 2007, and I was tasked with growing the business globally. And then uh, got to a point where I was ready for the next challenge, joined the founding team of a health and wellness startup. So completely different experience going, you know, building a business and having that exit um, to now being employee number two at a startup, Uh, helped to grow that business through our first round of funding, doing a lot of the operations and strategy, and uh, then happened upon Elevate. I had been a member of the community. Elevate is a community of women at work, 150,000 women globally who support each other in achieving career success through the power of networking, advice, and opportunity. I'd been a member. I spoke with one of the leaders of the organization, just doing my networking, and she offered me a job on the spot. So I joined Elevate about six years ago and haven't looked back since. But when I think back to my career, it's always been based on that power of community, that power of connection. And I hope through the work I do today that I can give that back in a multitude to others in business. That's amazing, Christine. So for we have a lot of um, women in business, lots of entrepreneurs that listen to this show. And it sounds like you, you should just go out there and put yourself out there, correct? Like just ask. Uh, and the worst thing that could happen is a no, correct? Yeah, I, I, you know, I learned that early on when I was doing sales and when you're doing selling anything, right? And, and that could be you're selling a product or you're selling your business, you're, you're getting customers, you're getting investors, you're getting partners. It um, takes a lot of work for that yes, but that yes is the, the yes you're looking for that can really, you know, change the trajectory of business. So, for example, if you make 100 calls, you may get 10 people who say, sure, I'd love to have a conversation. And of those 10, you may have one person that says, yes, I'm going to invest or yes, I'm going to buy. And so it's hard. It's hard putting yourself out there. It's hard, you know, pounding the pavement and keep asking, keep asking. Rejection is a big part of of sales and of, of business, but it makes you stronger and helps you further refine your product, further fine-tune who that core customer is and always that success is that much sweeter because of it. Mm, Because we had a a couple of um, uh, entrepreneurs on the show just recently who were saying that even to get funding, um, they found it really, really difficult. And one of the strategies one of the ladies used actually, uh, Mickey Agarwal, she was saying that she actually ended up hiring a white male CEO to be able to get the funding. And so basically we were talking about having to play the game to get somewhere in life or business. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a sad 
testimony, but I have actually heard that in a few situations uh, when someone was trying to get legislation passed or trying to get funding or, or partners, um, they brought in someone who was more reflective of the decision makers who were in the room to help overcome some of those inherent biases that exist um, during these times of, of fundraising or, or um, building a business. So I think that has to change. Um, it's unfortunate that that's the reality. Um, but, you know, change takes time. And it's how we tell these stories and how we work to get more women and, and underrepresented populations into those positions of power to make the decisions around fundraising um, and around business. Mm. And that's something that's really important to me personally and important to us at Elevate. We do a lot around how we support uh, particularly women and underrepresented populations and being able to rise in their career to have more influence and to have that seat at the table. Because the more diversity there is in the room, the better those decisions will be and the more we'll be able to fund companies and see success for companies that are solving the problems that you and I have. Uh, if the majority of companies that are funded are white men, they're oftentimes solving problems that they themselves have experienced, that identity. But what about my identity and my challenges? I want to make sure that the people that are focused on solving that uh, get the support that they need, because that not just helps them, it helps all of us. Mm, I agree. And, you know, and the thing is, as you as you were uh, sharing your story at the start, there's obviously uh, you've, uh, because your background in sales, your, I guess you've got thick skin uh, when it comes to rejection. Whereas I know there's a lot of women out there that actually are too afraid to ask the question. They're, they're fearing the rejection. Um, so what would be a piece of advice for those individuals that want to go out there and, you know, like you were saying, um, uh, ask for funding or whatever that may be, what, what would be that one piece of advice that you would uh, leave with them today? I would say, well, two pieces of advice. Do it in a way that's authentic to you. Uh, I'm someone that relationships matter to me and I am better able to approach a sale if I feel as if I have some sort of relationship with the person on the other end. Um, it doesn't have to be we're best friends, but I'm not going to go in and just pitch if I don't understand who you are and, and what matters to you. Um, it oftentimes helps make your pitch and your ask stronger because you're able to refine it and fine tune it to the needs of the person at the other end of that conversation. So I um, focus very much more on relationship sales and many of the, my clients and, and people that I met during that process, you know, 10, 15 years ago are still people that I can turn to now in my new business and ask for help and ask for support. So building those relationships is, is how I do it. That's authentic to me. And I would recommend you approach the sales process, whatever that is, if it's fundraising, if it's partnerships, if it's, um, you know, straight up sales for your business, do it in a way that's authentic to you. Mm. The second thing is to practice. Um, oftentimes where it may feel uncomfortable to, to make the ask. And then after the conversation, you're kind of kicking yourself. Like I should have pushed harder. I should have been more direct or I should have just asked. 
it's a practice. Um, I do a lot of role playing with people in the company, with my partner, where um, we approach how I might make the ask in a conversation so that it feels more comfortable to me. They say if you're going to get up on stage and give a presentation, you should practice it, right? Because you're comfortable and you feel more authentic doing it. So do that with the sales process too. And that way, when you approach the ask, um, it comes more naturally and you feel more comfortable doing it. Mm, I love that. And I think it's really important to practice. I do a piece around um, some of my workshops about having a courageous conversation because I find I work with a lot of women myself and I find that they always hold back. They second guess themselves and, uh, you know, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, whatever them, those stories uh, they have that reside in their mind. Um, and when we actually start sitting down and mapping it all out, you can see this level of resistance uh, purely because they're going to ask for something that they really want, whether it's a pay rise or spend more time with their kids or there's, there's such a resistance. And I find that actually uh, practicing uh, what you, the conversation or how you're going to ask is so crucial, so, so important. Yeah. I, I also tend to do better if I have facts and figures and data. Mm. Uh, I feel like I can have something clear to point to. So that's also, you know, a piece of advice, especially I think when approaching a pay raise or something along those lines, because it's very, it can be very emotional uh, to everybody. Uh, and being able to go in and say, you know, this is what I'm looking for and this is why. Here's how I've helped drive the business KPIs or here's the responsibilities I've taken on or here's whatever those more tangible details are. It um, backs up your ask and can feel more uh, comfortable in those situations. Mm, and, and then that's a really good point too because it especially depends on your target market, market but it definitely mm-hmm. a lot of corporates, they want to see the data. They want to see the facts and figures. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So, Christy, along your journey, what has been some of your greatest lessons learned thus far? Oh, I well, few. Um, I guess I I would say um, the first lesson and the lesson I learned early on in my career, and something that I I tend to talk to mentees about a lot, is around responding to situations, particularly uh, situations over email or text, um, written written communication can oftentimes be misconstrued. So how many times have you, I mean, at least I've done this a number of times where I'll, you know, see a text message or see an email and say to my husband, like, ah, you know, this was, this person's so mean, they, they, or they wrote something so terrible. And I'll read it back to him. And in and, and the reading back to him, I realize that I'm misinterpreted it in my head and actually when I say it out loud it doesn't sound that bad um but regardless a lot of when I was younger in my career I would sometimes get um frustrated by situations and I'd start responding to that email right away and you know writing something and I realized that if I just took a break and stepped away and went back to it at a later time that my response would be completely different and oftentimes more appropriate uh, so that, that's something I still think about today is just don't ever respond in anger, if it's verbally or written. Uh, it's just important to, you know, approach things in a better mindset for yourself and um, work to resolve the situation versus escalate it. Uh, something else I would say uh, a big lesson is is 
it's a question I get quite often from all, you know, many people in the workplace, but particularly women, which is around this notion of work and family and priorities and, and how you do it all. I am the CEO of a company. I sit on a number of boards. I'm an angel investor. I have three little kids at home, uh, a whole group of really amazing friends. And that's a lot. Um, and, and so people are always like, how do you do it? And I think the, there is no right answer and it's never going to be perfect. And accepting that it's never going to be perfect and you need to figure it out the way that it works for you is the first step. We all try to find that secret formula. And, and it's really just about, you know, understanding that each week is going to be different. Every day is going to be different. Go in knowing what's most important to you. You know, if it's putting your kids to bed or if it's taking that run every morning or seeing your friends, you know, once a month or whatever that is, know what is your priorities are and stick to them, schedule it in, make sure that you um, don't have the excuses to have a week go by and you're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Uh, and then know what, what doesn't matter to you. Um, so for me, you know, if my house is messy, my house is messy. I don't love it, but it's fine. If, you know, my kids eat the same thing every day, they eat the same thing every day, and that's okay. Uh, because what's more important to me is being with them and spending the time with them versus, you know, trying to figure out meals or, or something along those lines. So the the big thing is just as as my career has changed and I've taken on more roles and more responsibilities personally and professionally, it's just being honest with yourself about what's most important to you and what you can let go and, and recognizing that you're always going to have to let something go and just be okay with it. it. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It means that you are setting yourself up for success. Mm, I love that. And there's, there's a couple of things. First of all, going back to the other piece about how you respond and react to whether it's an email or a text or whatever that may be. Uh, it's really, it is really important to pause. I think that sometimes these things happen to us because we're going so fast. And, and I think that for me sometimes, and I've done the same too, Christy, where I've misinterpreted an email or a text. And then, you know, if I look back at it, you know, a day later, and then I'll reread it, I have a different lens, a different mindset. And therefore, I see it in a different way. And I think that Pausing is really important for all of us to uh, to stop and reflect and before responding, like sometimes I even now just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say to myself, I need to sleep on it and then I'll have a look at it again tomorrow and see how I feel tomorrow mm-hmm. um, as a way of um, helping the way that I respond and react. And the other piece is what you were talking about. You are... An amazing human being, you know, you have three kids, you're the CEO of company, you are all of the things that you do, you must be so good with your time management. And I'm curious, how do you do it, Christy? Is it something that you put in your diary? Is this like like family time and you actually plan it in your diary or, or what is the trick for you to balance everything? <laughs> um so I'll tell you, Catherine, I, I, I feel a little bit embarrassed saying this, but um, but what works for me is, yes, I, I have everything in my calendar. If you look at my calendar, I mean, every moment is um, planned out and it's it's been really helpful to me. And so things that I have in there are, um, you know, all of my family activities, um, 
holidays, birthdays, family time. I, I, I really want to make sure that, you know, there's never, a, 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 you know, it's rescheduling based on that. Um, I put in things like post on social media because I'm terrible about posting on social media, but for work, it's something I should do. So it's a reminder every day that I need to do that or follow up on the meetings this week. I have such a pet peeve because we go through so much work to get on people's calendars and to schedule meetings. And then the follow-up just falls, falls off. Um, and I see that, you know, for myself and for others. And so it's reminders for myself of, you know, things that I want to make sure I, I do. And because it's in my calendar, I see it and I do it. I um, also have in my calendar ongoing uh, check-ins with friends, friends and colleagues and peers. If you don't schedule, it doesn't happen. And sure, a lot of it happens organically and you might text or you may email. But to me, uh, especially for those people, it's really important I stay in touch with you know, a friend who moved out of town, but we crossed paths at Grand Central Station in New York City. We have a standing date to just meet up for a little bit. Uh, so in my calendar, got it all in there. I also have rules for myself. So I, you know, for me, uh, my business has a lot to do with networking and events and evening things. I don't go out more than twice a week and I try to schedule things from home before the kids go to bed. Um, because I have those rules in place for myself, when I'm trying to schedule something, I can look and say, okay, no, I already have two things in my calendar this week. Let's look at next week or let's look at the next week. So that's helped me to start saying no to things, to be able to just, you know, put it out there. I, I don't have the time this month or, you know, in the next couple of weeks and thank you. And I appreciate it. But, um, you know, unless we can find a different time, it's just not going to work. Uh, I also schedule in um, set times for calls and meetings throughout the week. And I do that because then if someone else is in my calendar, if I'm trying to schedule something, I see off the bat, like here are the open slots and I put it in. And then I know the rest of the time is set for um, doing the other things I really enjoy doing, like strategy and uh, working with my team and spending time with our, our community members. So I, I laughed when you asked this question because I know it, it sounds a little bit um, a little bit over the top, but it, it's worked for me because things move so fast. Uh, and the, the last thing I'll say is I, once a quarter, at least, will sit down with myself and have an honest you know, Christy to Christy conversation. Um, are you, you know, is life the way you want it to be? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you the mom and partner you want to be? Um, and if not, how do we, how do we change that? So I'll, you know, for myself, I, I like getting my nails done or I really like reading. And so I, I put that in my calendar too, you know, to set times when I know I'm going to dedicate that time to myself and nothing else will take precedence and nothing else will get scheduled over that. And that's been really important to me to ensure that I carve out that time for, for me and for my other priorities. Wow. I love it. I, th I think that's great. Um, and structure right there for you. And I, th I love the way that you follow up because a lot of the times people have meetings for the sake of having meetings, not having a purposeful meeting, but then they don't follow up. So I love the fact that you even have that as part of your plan to follow up. And the boundaries, like twice a week, I only go out twice a week. So if somebody's already contacted you to do a networking event or something like that, you'll say, oh, I can't do it until I'm free, whatever that, that week is. I love that. 
that just shows that you're very good at creating boundaries and saying no, which is another pain point for most of us is we don't know how to say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not great at it either. Um, but creating boundaries has really helped. I think it's also really great um, to have someone you can ask for, for a second opinion. You know, there's someone on my team that I can always turn to and say, Hey, listen, I got this invitation. I'm not sure about it. What do you think? Uh, and it's, um, it's been really helpful to me to get that outside perspective because there's so much tied up into um, why we say yes or why we say no. And, you know, the feelings of either obligation or, you know, fear of missing out or whatever it is. So having a person that you can turn to and gut check with is, is a great tool as well. Mm. And I just learned that not that long ago, FOMO. I didn't even know that even existed. But it seems to be this this thing as part of our culture now is fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, just are worried, you know, if I say no, what who who might be there that I should meet with or who um what might happen that I'm I'm missing out on that I'm I'm gonna be home, you know, reading my book or hanging out with the kids and something huge is happening. And I think particularly as an entrepreneur, those are big questions you ask yourself, right? You um as this business founder leader, um, am I should I be out there more? Should I do more? Um, should, what happens if I don't go to this event and a potential investor is in the room and I miss that opportunity. And it's just really understanding the other side of it, which is if you go to all these events or if you're constantly saying yes, because you're afraid of missing out, then what you're going to end up missing out on is, is your own life and your own health and well-being and relationships that are important to you outside of your career your company and so understanding that balance and boundaries is hard to navigate and hard to identify but really important part of being a successful business leader entrepreneur and human being at the same time Mm, so true I totally agree with you Christy so the other thing talking about pain points we believe that everyone has pain points what would be a pain point for you or some pain points for you um, that you deal with on a regular basis and how do you find your solution to your pain points? What's your trick? I'd say, you know, my biggest pain point, which I, I imagine a lot of the listeners here say associate with as well, is when you are a, a business entrepreneur or business leader, your your vision is so far in the future. I mean, you're thinking years out of where you're going and it really feels sometimes like you're running underwater you're not moving fast enough you've you've got this vision but you might not have the money or the resources or there's other constraints that dictate this timeline for you and and that can just feel really limiting and frustrating and so for me I've tried to um you know have that vision and then make sure that every day I'm doing one small thing that's moving me and the company closer to that vision. So what I mean by that is um, they tend to say there, there tends to be research around, you know, you accomplish three things in a day. If you go into the day and say, I want to do these 10 things, then you're oftentimes not going to get through all 10 plus running a business, plus everything else you do. And you feel, start to feel frustrated with that. So if you start with, here's the three things I'm going to do every day. 
two might be more in the moment. They're timely. They're about this week or this day or this month, things that have to happen, things that are just normal course of business. But if one is something about the future and hitting some future goal or hitting some future milestone, then you can still feel like you're making that progress. So an example could even be, I have a vision around launching a new program that I think is going to revolutionize you know, my industry. Uh, we're ways off from that actually happening, but I'm going to start now maybe writing articles and thought leadership that are getting at that vision, that are going to start building up my credibility in the industry around this set area. And so if you start doing that, and then you're continuing to move towards that end goal within the business, then you feel like it's not um, so so far out and, and unattainable and disconnected. And that, that's just one example, and there's many more, but I, I would just encourage you to every day think about, you know, what is that forward moving step that's going to get you closer to that vision? And I like that. I mean, for those people that love their to-do list and they sometimes they have more than 10 things they need to complete in one day. And I, I think it's it's uh, a good idea to only have a couple or, like you said, three because I think sometimes when you don't go through your to-do list, um, it's, it's almost like you haven't accomplished anything during your day uh, and then there's the the flip side of that is when you get everything done in your to-do list it's like what else can I add to it it's like this rush of dopamine because you want to add more to it because you feel pumped that you've achieved so much mm-hmm. so it can go either okay. way yeah so Chrissy, you work with a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of women in business, a lot of business owners. Uh, what do you think would be a number one reason or a reason um, individuals fail to succeed in business? I, you know, I've seen the a big reason for individuals to fail to succeed is not cultivating their network and. I know that that sounds um, obvious given the work that I do, but it's, it's, you know, in business and in life, there always comes a time when you need something, you need help, you need support, you need money, you need expertise. And suddenly you're scrambling to find someone that can help you and maybe trying to reach out to someone that you haven't talked to in two years to ask for help or maybe kicking yourself because you made that great connection at an event or had that great meeting that you never followed up on. And now you have to start from scratch. So the, the big thing I would just recommend is, you know, being an entrepreneur can be very lonely and it can also be very heads down isolating where you're focused so much internally on building a business, building a product, building a team, building a vision and then when you need something and you look externally, having that, that team, that network that you can tap into right away helps you keep moving faster and helps give you the support you need on a regular basis. It's something that I tap into literally every day. Um, now, my greatest need is just a network of peers who are also leading businesses, who face some of the challenges that I have, who can give me advice and just listen and support. And that's been really important to me. But when I needed a new accountant or a lawyer, I knew exactly who to reach out to. And if they couldn't do it for me, they were able to connect me with someone who could. And it made my ability to, you know, just as we were saying, get through your to-do list, 
and to move forward um, that much more more attainable. So I would just highly encourage you. I know oftentimes it feels like you don't have the time, but invest in in your, the people in your community and in building those relationships and, and keeping them um, relevant and uh, keeping them top of mind. Mm. So you said something really powerful just then. You said not culture leading. What exactly do you mean by that? Because when we talk about culture, culture for me, when I think about culture, it's it's almost like a living, breathing or, organism. When you walk into an environment that's got great culture, you can see the 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 joy the collaboration that you can feel the vibe you know you can you can pick up on the energy so for you when you say not culture leading what did you mean by that exactly um i'm i think i said cultivating but oh sorry i I thought you said culture i'm so sorry but i'm i can talk about culture too because that's I, that's something I'm really passionate about as well. And and I think is oftentimes something that as entrepreneurs, we struggle with um, how to, to build a good culture, um, particularly one that embodies, you know, your vision and values so that as you grow and scale a business, how does it retain that culture? Um, so I'll, I'll just say quickly a few things that we do at Elevate that's worked really well for us. Um, we, we do have, our values and, and guiding principles. It's something that as an organization, we develop together. It's something that we address on a regular basis. So at least two times a year, we bring together the team for a retreat. Um, the retreat is partially talking about, you know, business and vision, but much more talking about uh, building relationships amongst each other and spending that time to get to know each other better and to understand each other. And it's during those times we talk about our values and how does that, uh, how is that personified in our work and, and when do we fail and, and when do we, you know, how do we do better living those values? It's important that we do that because we try to give people in the organization a lot of autonomy to make decisions every day, micro decisions and bigger decisions. If it's answering a customer service problem or coming up with marketing copy or thinking about a new program. And when they do that through the context of our values and our culture, it helps to ensure we're all moving in that right path and using the same framework for making decisions. The second thing we've done that's been really great is is being very intentional and clear about setting goals. We, um, every quarter we'll go in and we'll say, okay, here's here's our our theme. Here's our goal for this quarter as an organization. Um, You know, if it's, 2020, our vision, and then here's how that ties into every single team within the organization and then each person. So everyone knows exactly how what they do every day rolls up into that bigger vision. They know who's supporting them and achieving that, so who is on their, their team or their task force, and they feel that sense of accountability and direction that is really important. And we regularly check in on these and we have conversations about them and we help each other accomplish what they need to accomplish. But it's been, um, that's been really important and, and something to be honest, I, um, I don't do well at. Um, I myself am very much the self-starter and always kind of knew what I needed to do and went for it. Um, and when you lead the way that you yourself work, you start to alienate those that aren't like you or don't work the same way as you. 
And so creating some communication and structure and ongoing conversation around goals and values ensures that everybody is set up for success. Mm, I love that. And, you know, Chrissy, that's a normal thing that we naturally um, drive our own unconscious drivers and whatever that style, whether it's a motivational style, communicational style, whatever that may be, um, we it's not till we become conscious that everyone has different drivers uh, that then we can actually collaborate. But it's, we, uh, it's a good point that you actually – acknowledging that because a lot of the times you'll find that people actually don't acknowledge that and they force the culture to be driven in the way that they like you're saying the way that you lead the way that you unconsciously go about your business mm-hmm. mm. yes I mean we we all you know that's the, the only way you know how to do things is the way that you yourself do them or the way you yourself communicate or are motivated or whatever that is. Um, so being very intentional about understanding who you are and what works for you and then doing the work to understand more broadly what motivates your team, what support do they need, what infrastructure, what type of communication. Um, and I think that's really hard as a leader. At least it's been really hard for me because you can easily think of it as a failure. You know, I, I didn't set clear enough goals. I'm a failure. I didn't communicate this the best way I'm a failure and and that's not the case at all um it's not it's just understanding that there's so many different ways to do whatever that is and you know what works best for you and then understanding kind of what works best for your team can ensure that you're all moving in that that right direction Mm. I think, you know, just listening to what you were saying, it's it's completely the opposite to what a lot of organizations do. So, for example, when there's companies that have values, they enforce the values onto individuals where you're actually getting people to talk through their personal values and how is that aligned to the culture or the company values. And then even with this is our strategy or vision for 2020 and then allowing those to set intentional and self-goals to achieve the vision, which it it does, um, there's obviously a lot of trust in your culture because there's a lot of autonomy and therefore a lot of accountability. So kudos to you. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I mentioned earlier kind of my number one pain point is feeling like we can't move fast enough and um, we'll move faster if, you know, everyone's given the opportunity to, to, you know, make those decisions and to, um, you know, be passionate and engaged and, and clear on the direction we're going. And we communicate a lot. We have a lot of different communication channels. It's, you know, Slack or we're in the office together for those that are remote. We have regular video meetings. But, you know, if you just give people that, that ability to be passionate about what they do and to feel like they're really able to affect change and to be a driver of change uh, it's amazing uh the the type of you know sheer innovation that will happen and that's how you're moving fast because you're allowing others to be involved and coming up with the ideas and the innovation because there's that trust factor and i think that um it's it's i think that it's when we do it the other way, we create the roadblocks and it takes us twice as long to get to our vision. 
Um, and then even with the communication part, you know, that's a big pain point with a lot of organisations um, and an obstacle in itself. So it sounds like you're, um, you've you got a great um, ways of working. It's probably the best way of, of putting it. So that's amazing. So, Christy, if we were to go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? I would say to be curious. Um and, and I'll give you two examples of what I mean by this. Um, I earlier in my career, mid career, I um, was working in a role in which just things weren't weren't happening fast enough, and so I, I learned. You know, one was we were we were making these um, these ad advertisements that our design team was building, and we just weren't moving fast enough on meeting client demand, and so I learned the program myself and started doing it myself. And the design team, of course, didn't like this because I did not have the formal training that I should have had to do it. But I was curious and I wanted to understand the situation and the barriers and how I could overcome them. And I think that's really helped me a lot. You know, as a CEO, I always say I know a, a little about a lot of things. And and that's true. Uh, and it helped me to make decisions or to feel more comfortable in some of the decisions or have the perspective because I was always curious about different parts of the business. I was always curious about what um, was happening and use that as a way to be more adept as a leader. Uh, Today, I'm incredibly curious about what's happening outside our industry, outside the walls of our company or just the sandbox in which we play in. I read a lot of articles and newsletters and subscribe to um, many different feeds and social accounts that are far outside of the realm of women in business or entrepreneurship or networking. And I get a lot of inspiration from that, you know, seeing what's happening elsewhere and, and kind of that type of disruptive thinking, how that applies to what you do every day has opened my eyes to possibilities and ideas that I, I find really inspiring. So I, you know, try to get inspiration from wherever I can. Uh, and then bringing it back to our conversation earlier around networking, it's also a great way for me to kind of kill two birds with one stone. I'm curious, I read a lot of different things from different places, and then I share it with people in my network um, when I think it's relevant, when I think they might be interested in it too. And there's something I find really fascinating. I'll shoot a quick email or tag someone in a post. And it's become a way of me to not only satisfy my curiosity and to continue to learn, but to use that uh, curiosity as a way to engage with my network on an ongoing basis um, so that we're we're all, um, you know, have something to talk about or some connection uh, to think back about when when I might need something or they need something. Mm, that's amazing. So I'm, I'm, I'm just still sitting here going, wow, you do all of this. Time management is through the roof with you. I just, uh, how you fit so much in. Amazing. I'm in awe right now. So, Christy, who's been your greatest? You can get a lot done when you're commuting on, uh, on the subway. Oh, I take is, the that, is that work, the other so. thing, is it? Well, I mean, I take the train to work or I, and I tend to walk a lot in the city. So I listen, I'll listen to podcasts when I'm walking or I read newsletters and articles when I'm on the train. Uh, that's kind of always my time to, to do those things. So it's, right. um, 
it's, I guess it's again, double duty. I'm, I'm getting to where I need to go and able to, um, you know, satisfy some curiosity at the same time. Mm, it's working smarter, not so much harder. So Christy, who's been your greatest influence? I, uh, you know, I love this question and I, I was thinking about it a lot. Um, so it's, it's a little bit out of left field, but there is this fictional character called Nancy Drew. And she was, um, is a young girl and she solves mysteries. And when I was growing up, my grandfather bought me this entire series of Nancy Drew books at a yard sale. And they had these blue hard covers and they were really old. The covers were leather and the inside pages were yellow and brittle. And I just read them all the time. I mean, I remember under my blankets with a flashlight reading them when I was little and just being so excited and inspired by them. And and I think, you know, why it was so um, meaningful to me is, is one, here I'm seeing a girl uh, who's a hero, who's powerful, who's solving problems, who's the main character. And up until then, I don't know that I'd seen a number of, you know, big books or TV shows or movies that have that powerful female character. And the second was she was productive and she was curious and, you know, she helped other people. And when I think about who I am today and who I've become, I think I embody a lot of those traits and values. And then finally, you know, who just, who doesn't love a good mystery? You know, I still, if you ask how I relax today, I, I read a lot of uh, fiction and typically mysteries. And so I'm, I'm keeping the trend going, you know, 40 years after I first received those books. I love it. And isn't it funny when you look back in life, and I call them universal breadcrumbs, when you have a look at the things that maybe were of interest to you at a time, how they all relevant today and how they all play a part today. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it, I, you know, I think hindsight is just really fascinating and thinking back to, you know, the careers we've had or the people, the relationships we've had, the passions we've had, the things we've done in our life and then how that leads to the person we are today. And um, I don't know. I, I There's one quick story, which is I'm a twin and uh, growing up, my parents called my twin sister, Katie, uh, they always called her Mother Teresa. And they called me Leona Helmsley, who at the time was this not very nice, it seemed, uh, businesswoman in New York City. And I was really offended by that. It really hurt me because here they're saying my sister's a saint and I'm not very nice. And that's how I perceived it at the time. But what they were getting at, and we've since had many conversations about this, was my sister just uh, was driven by, you know, empathy and, and, and being involved hands-on with, with people. And today she's a teacher. She's been a teacher for, you know, 20 plus years in a, in a low-income school district supporting students. And she loves it. And, and today I'm a business leader. And, uh, you know, I think what they just saw in me at that time, many years ago, was leadership and someone who wanted to create change through leadership. And, you know, it's fascinating that they picked up on that so long ago. And, 
you know, now when you see what we've become, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty telling. You know, as you were explaining it, that's what I was thinking exactly. It's just that you're a very savvy, uh, curious businesswoman. Yeah. So the other thing that we love to do, Chrissy, as we're wrapping up the show, we love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? I would say generous. Um, and I kind of struggle with this a little bit, but but I, I would say that that's probably what it is. Um, I'm, I'm just very generous with my insights, with my time, uh, my social capital, uh, my ideas, everything I have to give. Uh, if someone needs it, I'm, I'm giving it. And it's something that is really important to me to feel that it's not just all take and ask and uh, that I'm able to use the privilege that I have and um, the place that I am in my life to give back to other people. And I say I struggle with it because I, the intent there is so true to who I am, but the implementation of that uh, can sometimes be a conflict. You know, we only have so many insights, there's so much time or, you know, so much to give. And I've had to really balance that a little bit in terms of knowing, you know, as we said, knowing when to say no or knowing when to, you know, remove myself from situations um, because it's just asking for too much. And and that's been hard. And I think during that process, it's always understanding how I can be generous in a way that's sustainable for me. Mm. And so it's really been um, defining that generosity through the terms in which, you know, I can continue to give um, and also continue to support, you know, myself and my own well-being. So I, I, I think it's, you know, all of these things that describe who we are inherently, it is who who we in, like are at our core, but you need to think about um, how you can be that in a way that gives back to others, but also is giving back to yourself and allows you to continue to grow and allows you to continue to be the person you want to be. Oh, and that's so important. I it's I, I relate to that myself. I think that I say yes to everyone. I want to help the world and um, I don't do that for myself. I leave myself out of the equation and hence why, you know, I've experienced burnout. But I think it's being generous to yourself as well is really important. And I think that um, you do that well. I think you would do that well because of the way that you are so structured and you plan your day, your week, your month out. It's, it's amazing, you, which is an inspiration to me, which I'm going to uh, start doing a lot more now. Thank you. The, the last question as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share three shiny golden nuggets with our listeners. So what would be three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today? I would say meditate every day. Uh, I didn't mention that, but it's a practice that I started and actually I do have it in my calendar, meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting started, it can be just 10 minutes a day. There's great apps and tools out there, Calm and Headspace that you can use. Um, it, it, I just found that to be a time to really center myself and to just be still. Uh, practice gratitude. It's, I think, easy, particularly when you're building a business to um 
focus on what's not working. Like you said, the rejection, the no's and sales or whatever it is. Practice gratitude. Be thankful and identify and intentional uh, the great things that happen. I think it's very uplifting and helps give a different perspective. And the third thing is just invest in relationships in your network, in your community. Uh, you don't realize how much you have to give and, and how meaningful and impactful you are on others and also the impact others can have on you. So we're humans, we're built around connection and uh, I would encourage you to continue to invest in that. Mm, I love all three and I, I, I do the meditation on a daily basis myself and practice gratitude because we can get so, especially, I mean, I've been in business for 10 years, but we can get so caught up with what's not working and what we don't have rather than being grateful for all the things that we do have and all the things that are working for us. Mm -hmm. It's a great reminder. So, Christy, where's the best place for our listeners to find you? You can find me on any of the social platforms, uh, Christy Wallace or Elevate Network. It's E-L-L-E-V-A-T-E Network. Uh, Check out elevatenetwork.com and I hope to hear from you. Mm, we'll have all that in the show notes. Chrissy, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, sharing your story and your wealth of wisdom, and I'm sure our listeners are going to reach out to you. Thank you so, so very much. Thank you, Catherine. This was a, a true pleasure, and I really enjoyed spending the time chatting with you. Same. Thank you so very much. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you, so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit the subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift, where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplanner.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at katherineplanner. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.